Hooray! We are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt. What's my name? John Hewitt. <laughs> Jeff King is here. <laughs> Good day. Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Um, how you going, Roger? You feeling better? You're yeah, I'm cold? okay. Yeah. What beer you got? On the mend. Uh, a Mount Massenden Australian Pale Ale from the Holgate Brew House, John. Oh, nice. Um, I'm, well, Jeff and I might go there that this weekend. We're going to Mount Well, you will be there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff, what are you uh, drinking? I'm drinking some Vale Ale. You went for slightly weaker this week? So vale Ale. Yeah, I had a... Yeah, bit of a bit of a headache <laughs> last, last Thursday morning. <laughs> listen back that? to the listen back to the shed last week. You could hear my my words slur a little. <laughs> it's not good. Um, hopefully, I won't slur on my alcohol-free beer. Um, only a week left, and then I can have a beer. Um, but we are the football shed. We're here recording in Jeff's shed each week. Hence the name, football shed. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review, subscribe, and tell your mates. You can get in contact with us by emailing at footballshedpodcast.gmail.com. Um, or you can just find us on Facebook and Instagram, suit us a message. And you can also find our fancy new website, which is footballshed.com, which is uh, very sexy if anyone's had a look recently. Um, each week, we do start with a question. This week's question is about this morning's Champions League, which was a thriller. Two nil-nils. How many shots were there in the two Champions League games this morning that resulted in zero goals? Wait a minute. I heard something about this. So wasn't it um, Barcelona's record shots total without scoring a goal? I think so, yeah. Which means a lot. So there were a lot of shots. I think there were 30 shots in the Barcelona game and I think there were 17 shots in the Liverpool game. Uh, so that makes 47 47 shots that's quite a lot I think there were slightly more because I'm sure I read that Barcelona had 27 shots and I think that Leon might have had more than 3 so maybe I'll say there were 35 in that game and then maybe there were 20 I'll I'll say 50 54 wow 54 shots without a single goal so So 0-0 thrillers well you could say that, or is everyone just shit at shooting? Well, did you see uh, Van der Sten save? <laughs> How do you say his name? Mark Van der... Oh, the Barcelona keeper? Yeah. Uh, he's just the Barcelona keeper. <laughs> it's like the Chelsea God, keeper God, he leaves well. me hanging. What are you trying to say? Oh, uh, Van... Van der Sten? I don't know. No, yeah, the, the, no, no, the, no. Der Stegen. Der Stegen? Yeah. Van der Stegen? No, it's just no, there's no Van. Oh, uh, no Van. Um, Victor Valdez. <laughs> Victor Valdez. <laughs> Van der Appeared from nowhere, and it... Is an incredible save. Yeah, uh, the guy just um, Leon player just absolutely leathers it on the half volley from about you know 30, 35 yards. It's screaming straight in the top corner, and he somehow gets a you know fingertip on it onto the bar, um, and then catches the rebound. But like that should have been a goal. Um, it's, it's not good for football, is it? Well, on on that, what, the I nil nils. To, yeah, yeah, because because uh, I wanted to bring something up as. A football fan that lives in Australia, was this the worst weekend to be a football fan in Australia of all the weekends ever? Because the FA Cup was on, you can't watch it. The Champions League was on, it was all nil-nil. So it's just been dull. The cricket's finished, the AFL hasn't started, the A-League's crap. Like, where was the sport this weekend? It was a shit weekend. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I was quite busy, so perhaps it passed (laughs) me by a bit, but you're right, that is rubbish. The, um... The the marketing department, you know, for football as a whole, if football had a market, <laughs> turn, turning They'd be in their, fired. turning in their offices right now because it's for emerging markets. Right, the Champions League is pitched and billed as the best football. Mm. Now we said when we did our World Cup sheds, we were like, you know, what's better? Is it the World Cup or the Champions League? Yeah. And, and you know, it's not a stupid argument to have because. You know these teams that play in the Champions League play with each other every week. The the way they play football is very different to international football. It's the it's the pinnacle really mm. of club competition. Yeah. Absolutely, whether it's the pinnacle of football, I don't know. But mm. so to build this globally, and so in emerging markets, if you go to Malaysia or Singapore or the United States, you're like, well, it's not the you know what I mean. Yeah. And you you this is amazing. Oh my god, look at the best teams in the world, and two nil nil fucking dull fests. And but does it matter? But they weren't dull fests. Look at all the shots. Uh, I, I watched the Liverpool game. Did right? you enjoy it? Um, no, it reminded me that this can happen. 
Oh, but I still... It felt like a proper heavyweight European tie. Like, it was a bit tense and a bit scratchy. And I don't mind that sometimes when you get to the big games. No, and it's just a different type of football. There's yeah. a few, like, football hipsters who would say nil-nil is the perfect game. Because, really, what's happened is two teams have played against each other and cancelled each other out. So they've played so well that they've not let the other team... Score and because the other team have done exactly the same, the nil-nil is the perfect football result. That's one of the beauties about football. There aren't many sports where you can have a nil-nil that's really good. See, I would agree in principle. However, I disagree in a two-legged tie. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So I think the first leg of a two-legged tie being nil-nil is the worst because the last sixty minutes, you know, see, last bit of the first half and the whole second half. Everyone's just going, oh, well, we'll leave with the draw. We'll leave with the draw. That'll be right. We'll decide it in the second leg. And that in itself is anti-football. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought uh, Bayern played quite well. Um, I thought they set up... They um, figured stuff out in the game, which I found really interesting. And you're only going to get that from experienced players that are good. And they actually... You could see Hummels pulled a couple of them in and they actually had a chat because they were at Liverpool's press early on was like really getting on top of them and they just couldn't get it out of their box effectively. And they actually changed the way that they were setting up slightly from, um, you know, when Neuer had the ball at the back or mm. when they had a goal kick, um, just so they had more options in possession. I thought they neutralised Liverpool's press quite well. But having said that, I think Liverpool will take nil-nil because all of a sudden, if they get an away goal or if they score first in, and and you know Munich will be more open over there, I, I, yeah, I don't it, think it's a bad result for Liverpool necessarily. It, Liverpool often play better when they're playing on the counter-attack, especially with their front three. So yeah, if they go to Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich attack, then they can just sit, hold, and then they'll have Van Dijk back because he was suspended this morning. Yeah. Um, and just score on counter-attack. Now, I'm going to be a bit of a twisted bastard here. Yeah. The amount of people I've heard talk about these type of games of football and go, nah, it's all right, nil-nil's all right. So all you've got to do is get a goal in the second leg and you're ahead. I'm like, well, fuck, get a goal in any leg and you're ahead. Like, what, why is there some kind of master tactician, I understand the game better than you, because I'm going to tell you that if they get a goal in the first half of the second leg, then they're a percentage advantage. If they're leading in the tie, they're in a better no, position. No, an away goal is... Is big. If Liverpool would have lost one 0 today, that is a that's a fairly disastrous result. This is my point, Rog. If they lose, it's a bad result. <laughs> like this no, is... but, but uh, you've got to factor in the away goals. What I'm saying, Jeff, the away goals in Europe are significant. They are they are more beneficial to you than home goals. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Would you scrap away goals? Because in theory, the way goals were introduced when you had to get a boat across the channel to go to Europe to go and play a game and then catch a horse and cart and sleep for three days and then you play in a field in the middle of Italy somewhere. Whereas now they all fly first class and it takes an hour on a plane and they all go home to Italy or Spain on the weekends anyway. So it's not like anything different. So really, it shouldn't. The, the crowd's obviously different, but should there be away goals anymore? Well, I think it should probably be a, be a sliding scale. <laughs> <laughs> like so, if you I mean, have to go to deepest darkest like, Ukraine, if you're going to go to Shakhtar, yeah. then you can have a goal and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to go to Paris on a on, oh, on a Wednesday night in Paris, it's like and and you're bloody Arsenal. I mean, come on. Just jumping on the Eurostar. Yeah, it's nothing. It's a train. You can't can't even commute in a short distance. And if you're going to the Emirates, like, away goals shouldn't count because it's like a church anyway. It's not like an intimidating atmosphere. So, you know, why would away goals count? So I think if you're Shakhtar going to the Emirates, your goal should count for less because it should be easier. (laughs) I'm glad you're not in charge. I'll make an an algorithm. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm I mean, not, I, I wonder whether Van Dijk missing was was part of the reason why perhaps Liverpool were a bit more cagey too. Like ha- having to play Fabinho at the back and Matip. We talked about you know mm. Liverpool being a bit weaker defensively when Matip's in. But I wonder whether having that as their you know axis at the back just meant that they were a little bit more cautious about the way that they approached the yeah. game this morning. Without wanting to repeat you, Rog, I think they're quite happy to get out with a nil-nil draw. <laughs> is, it, is there some kind of media training that all happens at the same time? I know you don't know the answer to this, so I'm going to keep going. Are you, are you talking about players? Yeah. yeah. Serge Nabry, right? Yeah. It seems like that's his name. 
Yeah. And yeah. that's been his name forever. Yes. Right. Serge Nabry. Yes. Nabry. Yeah. yeah. Right. With a G. No, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah so I get that there is a silent G. G. Okay. Yeah. Now, every single pundit I've heard say his name in the last two days has called him Gnabry. Wow. Everyone. Absolutely everyone. That like I've multiple media channels plus live commentators have said Gnabry. And when they did it, I thought, oh, he's fucked that up. Wait a minute. Let's see. Let's see if the other commentator like makes a big deal of going Gnabry. <laughs> but no, he went Gnabry. I'm like, ooh, what's maybe, going on? Maybe he came out and said, this is actually how you say my name. Well, that's everyone's I mean. been like, getting it wrong. That does happen. Like players have come out and gone, no. Like, yeah, who's, that, who's that manager who suddenly everyone started paying attention to and they got his name right? Um, who what's Watford's managers called? Gracia. Yeah, Javier Gracia. Javier Gracia. He was Garcia, wasn't he? Yes. Until everyone gave a shit. Yeah, and I think Jordan corrected us on the. because the R's in a different place, <laughs> but no one read it. But no one, no one cared <laughs> until suddenly, oh, he's doing all right. So maybe when when Nabry was at Arsenal, he was Nabry. Yeah. Now he's at Bayern, he's Gnabry. He did look quite good. Well, he did. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, German international. Still on the Champions League, but last week. Um, we spoke on the shed about excitement of the Spurs Dortmund game. Oh, we did, Jeff. Didn't and we? Uh, Jeff was pretty <laughs> negative about Spurs um, and said they're a bit crap. And somehow they just smashed Dortmund three 0 and they were brilliant. Seems like a long time ago now. It is it? a long time ago, but I just wanted to touch on it because did, Jeff was so wrong. Did they smash Dortmund? Yes, well, they won three 0 Oh no, okay, I know that. That's that's <laughs> that's, that's what that's what I say on Wikipedia, but on. <laughs> In the first half, it was a really even contest. I thought Lloris's save at nil-nil from that uh, brilliant Sancho cross, I forget yeah. who won the header, but you're like, for all money, that's a goal, and somehow Lloris got across, mm. clawed it away. That that, that that was, you know, as big a moment as the goals, essentially. Yeah. And I think also they tweaked the formation at half-time, um, and for Tongan obviously went in at half-time as a distinctly average wing-back and came back out as Marcelo from yeah, Real Madrid. How, 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 how did that happen, though? I don't know. Like, I don't know if he had a drugs test at the end of the game, but something happened at half-time you, and he came out and was amazing. Do you know, I heard an anecdote of what actually happened at half-time. And this, is, this isn't a joke, this is an actual... Not that I make jokes, I make comments that I believe in wholeheartedly. But um, So by the time they went for, for half-time, I can't remember who, who was asked this, they said that Pochettino you know, didn't they said, Oh, did he give you the hairdryer? Is that what changed? Yeah. And they said, no, no, he didn't. What he'd done is he had video analysts make clips for half time of the first half of that game of football, and each player watched a clip that was bespoke and for them and applied to what they should change to get around the man who's marking you in the position you are on the pitch. And every single player made a tweak to their game. And what happened in the second half is Dortmund just didn't do that and Spurs wow. did and suddenly it was a 3-0 second half I had heard that as well which is great like I, my first very, brain, very Pochettino and my first brain went I've done a little bit of video editing your first brain team, my first thoughts <laughs> in my brain when so like so I've done a little bit of video editing in my time when you press the render button it sometimes says like 8 hours so how do they like editing video and putting it together within a half and then going oh this is the point to show and then and it's incredible it's like, absolutely incredible so the the team he <coughs> must have put together to make that happen so instantly and also you don't just spring that on players they're conditioned to know that that's what they will be getting at half time and that's how they react because if it's the first time he did it there's no way they would they would have just come out like talking to you going what was that yeah. what, what, what was he on about there with the, with the what video? was on your video yeah exactly <laughs> like it, it would be like getting a party bag but, <laughs> but it wasn't so yeah. I, I think that's incredible I think I, the other thing in, just in the game that made the difference perhaps as well as that was that the Spurs had the best players on the pitch like I think they're very even teams but I think that in Christian Eriksen and at the moment the form is in Sun mm. Uh, oh, and you know, Sutton scored more goals against Dortmund than the other team. Isn't wow, that weird. Yeah. yeah, loves playing Dortmund. But um, th- I thought those two were just like they were the. There was Larice, obviously, with his save. The Tongan was great, but I think the moments of that extra little bit of quality in the game were provided by those two players. Like Ericsson was great, and Sun's run for his goal, like his yeah. movement off the ball, was was first class. Son is so good at the moment. Um... Before we move off Champions League, tomorrow morning there is Atletico Madrid v Juve and Schalke v Man City. Schalke v Man City is 5-0 Man City. 
But Atletico v Juve, I think, could be a really big game. And I have a or nil nil. Well, yes, it could be great or it could be awful. But I have a sneaky feeling whoever wins this tie will get to the final of the tournament. So I think they're both tournament teams and they're both built to do well in the Champions League. Um, Juve have got to the final twice in the last three years and now they've signed Cristiano Ronaldo and that's obviously just to win the Champions League. But I think Atletico Madrid are the perfect side to beat Juve. So I think it's going to be... It might be one of those, not many goals, but fascinating to watch. Yeah, and Ronaldo, obviously. On the... um... Uh, I just have one other thing on Dortmund to say. We've talked about players disappearing to China a bit, and you know I get on my high horse about them disappearing and never coming back. And perhaps you two don't necessarily subscribe to that theory, and you think you can go, yeah, can go to China and back, and it'd be okay. Witzel was good against Spurs. Obviously, he's been having a great season for Dortmund. I was reading; they think he got about twenty million quid. For like for his eighteen months in China, now he's come back to Dortmund, and he's in and is, you know that. is doing playing for one of the most exciting teams in Europe and being one of their star players, and he's financially set for life from eighteen months in China. So well, maybe you can do. But Axel Witzel spent four years in Russia. For That's Saint, true. Saint Saint Petersburg, which again he was probably earning big dollar. But does it make it slightly underwhelming that he could be one of the best midfielders on the planet, but he spent six years of his football in the wilderness. Yeah, in basically playing in Russia and then China. And then he's gone to Germany now and he's 28, 29, whereas he could have spent the last six years playing for Juve, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, whatever, and he's just not... Be a superstar. No, I think that's slightly too purist. Yeah, I think not everyone can be Captain America. Yeah, You know, there's... um. There is something to be said for him looking after his career. He's he's not like he's been in the wilderness. He's not going to do an Alexis Sanchez and go. I'm thirty and I'm done. My hammies are gone. He is at the peak of his skills. He's impressing on the world stage in the Champions League, and he's got a fair few years in him to continue his glowing career. I think he did the right thing at the right time, even though it wasn't a very popular thing to do. I think it's just refreshing that he actually said it as well. So he essentially came out and said, yeah, I went to China for the money. I mm. thought I'd go there for a short stint, make a shitload of money, and mm. then come back. Yeah, I quite... I, I don't mind that. The thing I have issue with is when players go, you know, like Anatovich is moving because his uh, second cousin is, uh, <laughs> is Chinese yeah. or something. And they just lie. Yeah. I also like Witzel when he plays for Belgium and he plays centre midfield with Fellaini because they both have Afros. Yeah. And, and they're both massive. Great <laughs> yeah. um, moving on from the Champions League, last week was the FA Cup. Um, Man United smashed Chelsea. Oh yes, that was a good result. The comeback, um, man, like it was an easy win for Man United. They cruised through it. The first half they were just better, got two goals. In the second half, Chelsea did not offer anything. There was no kind of like, oh, we're losing in the cup. And we've talked about Sarri a lot in the last few weeks, but his substitutions um, and on the radio commentary about it, they're like, guess what? 60 minutes. They're taking Barkley off. They're putting Kovacic on. Oh, guess what? Way, around, around it. Be, yeah. Yeah. But, well, For the 20th time this year or yeah. something. And then they took Willian on, off and put Pedro on or the other way around. But it's always exactly the same. Imagine if you're hudson Adoy. You just had your your future blocked playing at Bayern Munich and watching Bayern Munich this morning. By the way, Hudson Odoi would be excellent <laughs> in that side if he were played on the other side of Gnabry. Yeah, it would be fucking awesome. The, but he's not. He's sitting on the Chelsea bench. The not thing that really lucky. shit me about that too was that he's played every minute of the FA Cup so far this season, and then it gets to a, the pointy end, a bigger game, and all of a sudden he's back on the bench. And when they're chasing goals and they're two 0 down. He takes off the right back and brings on Zappa Costa. Another right back. Another right back. When Hudson Odoi's played every minute and been really good in the FA Cup, that just. And the other thing that amazed me about this game was Sarri. We, t- we talked about the way Sarri coaches and he's very stuck in his ways or what have you. But surely he also has scouts. Zola's there. I've got a lot of time for Zola. Yeah. I don't know what the back coach, I just like Zola. Like Zola, yeah. Um, would have watched the Champions League game. Now, in the Champions League game, PSG essentially sat on Pogba. And when United play a midfield three of Herrera, Matic and Pogba, 
Pogba, it's designed so that Pogba can be the man and create the key moments to win the game, which is exactly what he did against Chelsea. His pass for the first goal was exceptional. And then his run for... Uh, the, the header was was also good. It also but, passed it off to make the run. Yeah, the header was almost classic striker but move. Chelsea didn't put anybody on Pogba. No, like we talked about what Solskjaer might do differently, and you uh, after the Champions League game, and you said maybe to have more creativity, mm. he'd play Matter. Now maybe Solskjaer's hand was forced because of the injury to Martial, but Matter played. Against Chelsea, and Mata was really good. And one of the things Mata did was sit on Jorginho yeah. and pressure him. And everyone's been doing it, and it's working. I don't understand why Sarri can't see that maybe you need to like you need some of Mourinho. Like, don't you need to be pragmatic in some ways and stop the other team? And this was the Chelsea fans were going off at the end because they just had enough of the fact that it's the same substitutions, it's the same team, it's the same style. Everyone knows how to play against us. Like if if all of us were ma- a manager of a Premier League team, we're playing Chelsea next week. I reckon we would win because you just stop Jorginho and you stop Chelsea, and you know where the subs are going to come on, who they're going to be, and you can plan exactly what to do for the whole ninety minutes. You won't need a video at halftime. You just mm. just sit well, down. the only you know exceptions that. Hazard perhaps because he can do something different, and you can tell a lot about um, how a club is going by what the players say about their manager. So, uh, obviously, we've talked about Marco Silva, right? Marco Silva's having a shitty time at Everton. But this week, three players have individually come out in interviews in foreign language newspapers. So, Bernard's come out in a Portuguese newspaper. Michael Caine is Michael Keane's come out in a... uh, uh, Richarlison's come out in a Brazilian paper. We've all gone, actually we respect this man he's giving us so we just need to jump on board we need to understand a bit like they've come out in real support of of the type of job that he's doing behind the scenes and just saying it's us the players that need to be able to adopt this better. <coughs> and I don't hear a sniff of that from Chelsea no. I, I hear deafening silence and then every now and then Hazard goes I want to go yeah and uh, the, the fans basically like all the main night fans were seeing you're getting sacked in the morning all the Chelsea fans started joining in at the end and they were all shouting for Hudson Odoi to come on it's like bring on Hudson Odoi bring on Hudson and then they bring Zappa Costa on and the boo was huge and you're just like what are you doing like, yeah it it's... just seemed odd like I didn't I, what's the point like you're losing yeah. 2-0 what I, I just it's like flogging a dead horse I yeah. just that didn't see the, the point in that who's got a better name Zappa Costa or Hudson Odoi I like Zappa Costa. He's yeah, more I like Zappa Costa. He's it, not very good it's though. One of the best names in football yeah. currently going around. Um, Hudson Odoi is quite good though. It's good, but Zappa Costa is <laughs> like it's pretty cool. Um, Jeffy, you wanted to talk about uh, the FA Cup a little bit in regards to uh, ex players yeah, or something. I, I'm cautious to to say this because I, I often find that, um, that I go off on on rants. I don't want to necessarily start off on a negative. Yeah. However, I'm getting pretty disillusioned by the um, the the kind of retrospective joy we get in the way football used to be. So, so we idolise and make heroes of these these players who were essentially cunts. Yeah. So, sorry for the language, but you know, essentially, we we talk about. Oh, you know, if Duncan Ferguson was on the pitch, he'd have just, uh, you know, given him a kick in, and he wouldn't have got up, and that'd be great. We would have won the time. Like, actually, should we be idolising that? Should we be making that normal? And when I, when I watched, what brought it up was watching the the Millwall game, and the amount of times that the commentator and the um the what they called the the presenters uh, were talking about Millwall of old when, when when Millwall the crazy gang won the cup. And they were talking in a really nostalgic way for an era... Millwall or MK Dons? Millwall. 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 They were talking about it in a a, um, nostalgic way. Uh, Sorry, Wimbledon. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. AFC Wimbledon. Um, Of what it was like to play football back in the day when you could get away with essentially assaulting people and that was fine and you get a yellow card for it. And I wonder whether it's healthy to idolise this. I, I... Agree that it's just really dumb, and I if, like when you talked about the video thing that happened for Spurs at half time, and a lot of the old English pundits and ex pros and stuff are like, Oh, you just need to get up them or give them a bit of a 
bollocking in half time or whatever. Let them know you're there. Yeah, exactly. And one that doesn't work with the players of this generation. Um, and might do to an extent, but also football's smarter than that now. Like football's evolved. What happened with the influx of um, foreign players coming into the Premier League is we went, oh, there's people like Zola, who's a smart footballer. He's not very fast. He's not very big. He's not very strong, but he's actually clever. And because he's clever, he knows what to do with the ball. He knows how to get into space. And football got smarter, but that generation of players who were still around did not get smarter, and now they commentate on it. And they still think, oh yeah, you just got to go faster, run stronger, kick it in the channels, you've got to boot it out every and, so often. And that's it. Even the, the, the commentators and the pundits that I, I really respect, I respect them as footballers and I respect their opinion of the game. So, um, someone like Ian Wright. Yeah. I like Ian Wright. I think Ian Wright's an honest bloke, and, it, you know... I appreciate his point of view of football. I don't think he's particularly bright, though. No, nah, but he, you don't have. I mean, he's a footballer. You don't have to be yeah. bright, you know. But when he when he makes a comment like, "Oh, you know, well, we had Martin Keown, so they'd never get past us." He's not talking. He's talking about Martin Keown giving someone a kicking, and I feel like he's always doing himself an injustice by saying, you know, it's different nowadays because if it was back in my day, he'd be he'd be kicked so hard that he wouldn't get through. It's lazy. Commentary. It's lazy journalism <coughs> because it's not actually thinking about why the scenarios happened. It's just going, oh, if we were struggling in a scenario, we used to just try harder. But I, I think that's because that's probably their attitude. Like that. That's yeah. they, perhaps that's genuinely what they think. And I think one of the reasons that English football has been so far behind, and why we essentially have never been very successful. Let's face it. You mm. know, we haven't won a tournament since. Uh, 1966 which is a very very long time um, and I think a lot of that is because particularly with the advent of the Premier League and professionalism and you know Premier League's best in the world and we don't need anybody but there's been that attitude of the English way and you know we're superior and you know we don't need all that tactics bullshit because we'll just play 4-4-2 and you know yeah. run harder and run over the top of them and that's meant that we haven't progressed as quickly yeah. as a lot of the European countries because they're smarter about it and they think about their coaching and they think about things like the you know new technology and I, I agree to I think that attitude is still rife in football I think it's changing we're seeing the new managers your prediction about you know no more um, dinosaur managers coming into the Premier League so I think I think it's changing and we're seeing young English players coming through but I, I do agree. The The only point I disagree on is I think that in some aspects it has gone too far in terms of one thing that we have adopted is diving. Yeah. It's been allowed to become part of football. It didn't it didn't come from English football. It came from, you know, from European football and you know, it's been a part of European yeah, football. Yeah, South American football. But then also Franny Lee, who played for Man City in the 60s and 70s, was known as the diver because he used to dive to, dive. to win free yeah. kicks. And that was his tactic. Now, he was known as Franny the Diver Lee. Like, that was his thing. And everyone knew he was doing it. And not everyone else adopted it. But gradually, it's been adopted. And it's a part of the game. It's the way you win a free kick. It's the way you win a penalty. And it's easy watching as a fan on, like, from my own personal point of view but also you can see it in the media different players get different reactions so if I see Jamie Vardy leave his foot in like he always does so he gets taken down hmm. and he's playing for England I love it it's like yeah great well played he's done smart if Pedro does it for Spain against us diving bastards <laughs> and like and that's my part, part of the pantomime of football yes. and, and I wonder whether you know did this stuff happen in the 60s just as much and we just we don't have footage of it we don't have no high it, definition. It, it didn't you know and you look at some of the challenge this is what I think that's what I'm saying you look at some of the challenges that went in like I you know, I was talking to you both in the week I went down a rabbit hole of there was a Rangers and Aberdeen game recently and that, that's a huge rivalry in mm. Scottish football and one of the reasons it's so big is because there was a a um a particularly horrific tackle back in the I think it was in the eighties. Um uh it was Durant is the yeah. Rangers player, tricky winger and essentially had his career destroyed by one, one horrendous challenge. Yeah. But they were weren't uncommon challenges like that. So that's changed. 
but I I do think there is now more diving and we've we've let it become part of the game. But I still believe if there was will in the governance of the game, you could stamp it out. All you have to do is book players and retrospectively I, ban them for doing it. I, I, agree, I agree. From a diving... You know, if of all the things the British games adopted that, that isn't necessarily positive, diving is, is one of them. But I look at the... Um, who, who, who was the player who broke Eduardo's leg? Here's a pop quiz. Uh, Ryan Shawcross. Ryan Shawcross. Stoke. Now, Ryan Shawcross got victimised for that for a long time, and yeah. rightly so. The mm. challenge was horrendous. He yeah. went in intentionally high, broke the guy's leg in two places, and he was out for 18 mm. months. Mm. Now, when we watch that in the Premier League, you, you watch that on telly, you, I, like, I hated yeah. seeing it. It was really, like... I mean, if you've not seen it, I'm not even going to tell you the YouTube. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, really, really horrible it's like, uh, watching that in high Roy definition. Roy on Alfingi Harland yeah. or something. Yeah. But as so soon as Ryan Shawcross retires, do you think Ian Wright's going to sit there and go, oh, you know, oh, you wouldn't get past Shawcrossy. Crossy wouldn't get past Crossy. You'd put the leg in. Like, at what point do we get from going, that's disgusting behaviour, to idolising the past in a way that promotes that to be the future behaviour but you're right it's, but it's not confined to football either we have rose tinted glasses about everything yeah. like it's do we though like do, yeah. do we do we idolise 1960s film stars who beat their wives no I, I said that there's a certain point in society where we look back and go that behaviour is no longer condoned therefore there is a movement to not condone it but I think I don't know if you can like necessarily compare wife beating <laughs> to like yes. being, being a rascal on the football pitch yeah because like in, in the football scenario the end game is to win the game and if you're doing it within the rules of the game which in the 60s may be different to what they are now and you win the game you win the game like, you win the World Cup or whatever because and, but you might have put a few harder challenges in that you get that you wouldn't get away with today um, but I do think it's more about the it annoys me that they think players now are weak or don't challenge properly or don't go yeah. in for those things because one they're all athletes now they're not just drunk and running around and smoking exactly they're all athletes that run faster are stronger than they ever used to be so if you've got two players going at that pace it's the slightest touch is going to knock your balance true it's the, the gareth bale analogy like gareth bale can either be looked at like he goes down, or he goes so quickly. But slightest really, touch. But then put Gareth Bale in 1950s football. He's going to absolutely dominate. He'll be twice as fast as Dixie Dean. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just think it's it annoys me that people, ex-pros, look at players that are playing now as weaker, or they don't challenge, or they don't care. It's just a different generation. They question their commitment. Yeah. They say, oh, is he committed to a challenge? Oh, he wouldn't get past Lee Dixon. Like, yeah. well, actually... Was Lee Dixon committed to his fitness? Yeah. Was Lee Dixon committed to his to his tactical nous? No. He he relied on smoking a fag and kicking someone in the nuts. That's what Lee Dixon did. Yeah. Lee Dixon's now got a job for life. Kicking yeah. someone in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it was just part of a um, you know a, a, a very well oiled system. <laughs> didn't have to do much they just they basically went up in a line and then came back in a line up in a line back in a line it didn't have to be quick so, so yeah you question their commitment what's their commitment to yeah. is it their commitment on a Saturday at 3 o'clock where they go I will do anything to win the game or is their commitment to to the overarching beauty of football and its progression I'm not sure that I subscribe to the Lee Dixon model and I also think that if you're a football player now and you're 22 years old and you're brilliant at football and you're playing Premier League you cannot get there unless you've made various sacrifices along the way. So you've not gone out and tried to pick up girls. You haven't gone out drinking. You haven't smoked. You haven't done anything of those things you do in the teenage years because you've gone, I'm doing this. And you have to do it 100% because if you don't, the next guy next to you will. So you have to make sacrifices. I know they get paid huge amounts ignore the money because it's all relative they get yes. paid huge amounts but for footballers they get paid the same as each other yeah. but remember even 15 years ago or was it even 15 years ago Kevin Phillips yeah. for Sunderland he worked in a car factory didn't he yeah. so this is a modern thing that you have to make all these sacrifices by the age keep burping I'm drinking beer sorry Ricky, by the age of 18 it was a uh, beetroot factory worked in a yes. beetroot factory Ricky <laughs> and that's not too long ago yeah no so that, and that still happens but also those people J- Jamie Vardy's the classic one but he also made those sacrifices when he was playing non-league for Stocksbridge. He was just like, no, I'm committed to this. And he was working part-time in a real estate place. But then also 
doing his extra training and not going out and drinking and drinking extra Red Bull before he plays because that <laughs> apparently works. Um, if you're Jamie but, but yeah, but he was committed to that. Hackett hodnobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it made it work. But you can't... So it annoys me when, yeah, ex-pros just turn around and go, oh, they get it easy or they don't try... They don't clean boots anymore like we used to clean boots. It's a different generation. Is that just old people though? You know, do we all say things like that? I think. We well, you do. say things like that. I <laughs> Well, I mean, I've only just worked out what Snapchat does, and we've spoken about that before. So, you know, all of these bloody um, kids eating a Jaffa cake are on their Snapchats, then I'm I'm confused. United beating uh, <laughs> Chelsea in the FA Cup. One other thing I liked about this was um, Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. Not for anything that he did, but did you uh, hear the Solskjaer comment about uh, Sanchez's lack of goals? Yeah. And the analogy that he used yeah. with the bottle what, of ketchup. What did he say? He said he's like a bottle of ketchup, but once he scores one goal, it'll be like ketchup and the sauce will start to flow and he'll start to get lots of goals. I just really liked it. it was, that analogy will be lost on Sanchez. Yes. <laughs> um, Rod, you were going to give us a wee championship update on a couple of teams that win the FA Cup. Uh, it um, wasn't championship, it was actually just FA Cup. Yeah, but I, uh, I was obviously excited. Bristol City played Wolves. Um, Wolves are good. And I lost. No. Wolves are, yeah, so lost their unbeaten record, but um, played very, very well in the second half of that game. And if we play like we did in the second half, so Lee Johnson completely changed things at half time. If we play like that, we will genuinely give it a, a crack this year. You don't want to say it. Going to get promoted? Going to get promoted? No, we'll be, we'd be a chance, but um, I think Wolves are a, are a good football team. I think Wolves are going to win the Everton Cup and do well in the FA Cup but the one I wanted to touch on from an FA Cup sense was Swansea we, we talked about them a bit recently with everything being a disaster off the field um, but they had a win against uh, Brentford um, and it was an absolute virtuoso performance by Daniel James who's, now, Is he the guy that you brought up as one to watch last week? Yeah he's the young kid who was going to go to Leeds yeah, and then at the last minute, so the the deal that came up, he actually went to Leeds, didn't he? He got in his car and was yeah, there. Yeah, he was park. there at Leeds, but then someone at Swansea realised that they were essentially getting completely shafted with the deal <laughs> because the deal was that it was a one million loan signing, yeah, but only payable at the end of the year, yeah, and if they got promoted to the Premier League then there was a further option to buy him for £8 million. Now, this guy is probably going to go to the Premier League next year and be bought for considerably more than £8 because yeah. he's really, really good at football. Um, and so I think someone at Swansea realised that actually... I know we're desperate, abort, but, abort. Abort, yeah. Yeah. but anyway, he was... They um, offer him a new deal, haven't they? Uh, I don't know, but I just in this game, he scored one goal and made it a couple of others. He is absolute lightning like super super quick his goal was essentially from the edge of his 18 yard box and he just ran um, but he is definitely one to watch and I, I think um, I think we'll see him in the Premier League next year so no, don't worry about your um, your winning record because what happens with records these days is it's it's a winning record until you lose in the cup and then it's a winning league record True. until you lose in the league and then it's a winning home Record or yeah. winning away record, depending on whether you lost it over away. So you still got a couple of games to lose before the record's gone. It's true. On that, one of my biggest pet hates at the moment is when people go, "Oh, Cardiff haven't won at Man United in fifty-seven years." Well, no, because they haven't played each other. Yeah, I haven't beaten Man United in the last two million years. Like, what does it mean? It's not even a thing. Uh, Liverpool unbeaten in twenty home European ties. That's quite good. I thought that's impressive. That that is. They have been in Champions League and stuff. Whilst we're talking about the Championship, remember we spoke a few weeks ago about Spygate. Oh yes, yeah, Spygate. Bielsa. Yeah, so Bielsa. So obviously we all we all know about it. He sent um, sends regularly people to watch other teams' training sessions, which is supposedly a normal thing to do that clubs do all the time. But um, everyone hates Leeds. Uh, I just want to. So they got fined two hundred thousand pounds, and. And that was just accepted by Leeds Football Club. Yeah. Now, I would want to just put that in context with a, a couple other fines that have, that have come out in football. Yeah. Uh, so, do you remember when the League Cup, when you weren't allowed to field a weakened team? Oh, yes. So, the, of six EFL 
clubs fielded a weakened team in the League Cup that year and were deemed to be disrespecting the Cup. They got fined between £3,000 <coughs> and £15,000. What, were they lower league clubs? It just put they were scattered amongst the yeah. league. Uh, when Russia got fined for racist abuse of black French players, they got fined £22,000. Oh, God. When Liverpool were found guilty of illegally signing a 12-year-old already registered at Stoke City, they got fined £100,000. Leeds just got fined £200,000 for not actually breaking any rules. Yeah, wow, just for yeah, people, because it's ungentlemanly. I, I think this it? is one of those ones where a few high-profile media personalities and you know football commentators got on their high horse about, oh, this can't happen, no one can do this, and I just think... Lee Dixon wasn't they, doing this. They, he was, he was eating, like, eating a hobnob, kicking someone in the nuts. One of those ridiculous <laughs> things. Actually, they all do, and it, no one, people just didn't like it because Bielsa came out and was just so matter of fact about, yeah, of course, of course, I do it. Like what? If, like, he, here's it. what I've learned. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and then, so therefore, they feel that they've got to, you know, give them a strong punishment. It, I agree. With it's it's, it, it's an ego thing because uh, I don't even say this lightly. What Bielsa came out and did and gave his presentation made every other manager in the country look like a dickhead. Yeah. yeah. Apart from Bochettino. Apart from Bochettino, <laughs> Bochettino and Guardiola. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it's not like Frank Lampard does. It was all against Derby, doesn't it? Frank yeah. Lampard doesn't do that. Frank Lampard, Lampard stands there in the changing room, doesn't do video bloody whatever. He goes, oh, come on, lads, just put your foot in. You can, you, you'll do all right. That's his type of management. The old 70-year-old white bloke who... who is on this revolving circus doesn't do that. Like you're not you're not going to catch what's his name? The guy looks like an owl. Crystal Although Palace. The Elsa probably is um, Roy, Roy Onshin. He, he doesn't do that, does he? So that's the thing. It made everyone feel so inferior that they ended up with a two hundred thousand pound fine. But I like the fact they haven't complained about it because they've just gone take it on cool, the take it yeah. right, move on, and now we're going to go and do take something. it and keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, just keep doing it. Um, Last couple of things on the FA Cup. Ashley Cole scored a goal. Um, 38 years old, his first ever FA Cup goal. Player of the oh, year, Ashley Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Phil Foden looked brilliant. Ashley Cole, before he got... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Ashley Cole has won more FA Cups than everyone apart from four clubs in England. So he's won seven FA Cups, I think. And then Man United, yeah. Arsenal, Spurs and Chelsea have won more. That's incredible. Wow. It's ridiculous because he's won it with Chelsea and... Um, well, Arsenal. he's not going to win it with Derby though because they lost. No, <laughs> but yeah, Phil Foden um, was amazing for Man two, City. Two great it? goals. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, it's exciting to see him actually play some football, um, and I'd like to see him play a bit more football. To be honest, but I mean, he's only eighteen though. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's doing all right. Yeah, I think he's at the right place. I don't, I don't think he should leave. Like, I think everyone's getting a bit carried away with the Sancho, yeah, dreamboat. Oh, go to China. Uh, China, Germany, and everything will be amazing. Whereas actually, he's playing for the best coach on the planet, and uh, he's 18 years old. Just yeah. chill out. He's he's playing for the best coach on the planet, and he's managing to get game time in a team that has two world class starting 11s. Yeah. yeah, and if he gets any minutes on the pitch for Man City for someone of his stature at his age, he is absolutely in the right place. And you've got an aging over. <coughs> And Ilkay Gundogan has come out this week and said he's going to run down his contract and wants to leave. Oh, really? Yeah, not like he just wants to play every week, which is fair enough. So he's like, I'm not going to sign a new contract, but I'll play out. I think he's got 18 months left. So basically, in 18 months, you could say there's two midfielders gone and one of those replaced is Phil Foden. But even so. just playing with those guys, you know, playing with Silva and De Bruyne and the other Silva every training week, with them, just yeah. training with them like that. Like that is surely a dream for an eighteen-year-old, and I think it can only be good for his career. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to go on to next weekend stuff? Yeah. What have we got next weekend? So, well, next weekend is the League Cup final. So, talking of Man City, it's Chelsea against Man City at three thirty a.m. on Monday morning. Do we care about the League Cup final? No. <laughs> hey, whoa! Speak, speak to me for yourself. Do I care? No. You do yeah, care? I don't know, do you? No, not no. really. No. I cared last year. Scared yeah, whenever it was. Was it two years ago, Man United got to the final? <laughs> yeah, there we go. It was a very it's important a cup. It's a real cup. Um, but the only thing that. Is, for Man City genuinely have a possibility of doing the quadruple. And it'll be the first 
leg of winning all four. You think they're going to win the Champions League? I don't know. I, I just bet they can do it. And I think if they get that trophy under the belt, Pep's not won the League Cup yet, so he'll want to win it. Um, and I think winning a cup does bring that enthusiasm and that confidence and suddenly we've won one one's down we've only got three left to go like I think it could be really good for him you, no one's ever done the domestic treble no never and that, that's an amazing wow. statistic yeah yeah I'm surprised at that I'm and they, they, have a, they have a good chance yeah um, but the other big game this weekend is Man United v Liverpool in the wow. league which is that is a big game so this is Liverpool's game in hand on Man City so for Liverpool, you probably couldn't have a worse <coughs> game as your game in hand is away to Man United whilst Man United are in form. Um, it's on at 1am on Sunday morning, which uh, Monday morning, which is really annoying. Um, but it is a massive game. So what are your thoughts? I genuinely don't know. I was looking at it today. Um, Man United have got a chance of winning. Liverpool have got Van Dijk back, which I think... Gives them that stability that they need. Um, Rashford will worry them though. He's in yeah. such good form at the moment. I think they might. Isn't uh, Rashford and Martial both injured? Or is that no, Lingard? Lingard and Martial. Yeah. Rashford was great again in the FA Cup. I think on that though, if we had Martial and Lingard, the pace would really scare the defence. I think with Lukaku and Mata or Sanchez, it's just not quite as dynamic and quite as good. Um, so I, th- I don't think I think it's going to be a draw. I don't think anyone's going to win it, but I think it's going to be close. It's always so hard to predict Man United-Liverpool games anyway, like when there's, you know, even when there's potentially nothing riding on it, because there's always something riding on it because it's Man United-Liverpool. But I just, Mm. I mean, I'm excited to see it as a game without Mourinho being the manager as Man United, because it's one of those games you do get excited about because it's it's always, um, for so long, been such a big fixture. And so I think they'll both go for it in this game. I, I, I... you know, I agree with you. I think it could be a draw, but I think they'll certainly both be uh, out for the win. I'm with you. I actually really like that this game matters. Yeah. Because it's usually one of the the games of the season where everyone talks about, oh yeah, this is the biggest rivalry, whatever. Yeah. But but in for all practical purposes, the sixth and fifth, it very yeah, very rarely matters for anything. So it's actually it's nice to 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 be looking forward to this game as a game that has significance in its. More in its broader sense to, to more people than just the fans of Manchester United and Liverpool and I think Man United have had a week off because they haven't played in the Champions League this week so Liverpool have just played Bayern Munich in a big game on Wednesday so that's an advantage to Man United also uh, Pogba at the moment is brilliant and I wanted to bring up um, we mentioned it before we started recording about who might, might win the player of the year right now because I don't think if you look at the league right now, there's a standout player. You maybe got your Agueros, maybe Son recently. Big Verge. Baby Verge. Bernardo Silva. No, yeah, but as a player of the year. Whereas I think Pogba has, in, since Solskjaer's come in, he scored nine goals, got six assists, which is a ridiculous amount as a midfielder. And this is the kind of game where I think Pogba's in the kind of form that he could actually win this game single-handedly. And if Man United go on a bit of a run to the end of the year, I can see Pogba winning player of the year. And going having a bit of a massive run. So, do you think Liverpool will sit on Pogba? I don't know because if you line up with the with that same three in terms of Matic, Herrera, and Pogba, I do think that you can limit United a bit. If I mean PSG showed, uh, I mean I, I wonder whether Liverpool would do that. I think they'll put Henderson on Pogba and he'll be nullified. Do you uh, think Liverpool will win? Yeah, I I, I think. Oh no, sorry you threw that one in no, no, no. <laughs> I was just agreeing myself about my Henderson comments um, but no, no I don't think Liverpool are going to win I think United are going to going to get a result here and then I think the league's over and I think Man City are going to win at <laughs> all the time it's, it's, it's gone that's the other thing is that I as a Man United fan I don't want either of them to win the league but I want Liverpool to win the league this year and then if we beat Liverpool, I think it is all over. I think you might be right. Well, they'll be both on 65 points. Yeah, but it's, the, there was a point where <coughs> Liverpool were going to be nine points clear. You remember that? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. It's not... When we look back at Liverpool season, if, you, if you're going to release a DVD of Liverpool season... <laughs> a VHS. There, there are a few moments in this season that they shouldn't have got the points they got. I mean, look back to to the win against Everton, the... the 
shaky Pickford moment. There are there are points where they've picked up those 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 points, which which you say is title winning form. But there will be, you can't rely on that for thirty eight games. You've actually got to start doing a. This is the point with eleven games to go that you just go in with eleven wins. That's how United used to win the league. I, I think um, I think Liverpool might win this. I think they're going to, you know. They've been winning the important games so far this year, and so I I'll back them in. I think they'll get a result. Um, if Liverpool lose, Man United win, and Spurs beat Burnley, there's two points. Yeah, two points between the top three, and they would have all played the same amount of games. So on a neutral lookout, that would be brilliant. Spurs are in it, aren't they? Hundred percent. I saw um, Kane's going to be back earlier than they thought, so they've got yeah. like. Feasibly, you know, Spurs could win the majority of their games. How does that bloke always heal so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> exactly so it's like every time he's injured, but the yeah. next article is, and Kane's going to be back sooner than expected. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? And it's always his ankle, and it always is that same ankle gets hurt and then comes back. Like it's like his ankle's made of something. Weird. And, and he comes back like <laughs> like he's never been gone. He yeah. never comes back and, and takes a month to get up to speed. Uh, he comes back, scores a hat trick. Like it's insane what yeah. On Kane, he's paying nine dollars to be top scorer in the league this season. He's only three off the top and he often comes back from oh, injury. Oh that's as, worth a bet. As a bit of a run. Who's top? Aguero. Aguero and Salah are both on seventeen and then Kane's on fourteen. And you can see Kane just coming back and having a bit of a and going <coughs> through and scoring. Not an easy game for though away at Burnley. No, uh, I, they haven't. We talked about it last week. Since Tom Heaton's come back in, Burnley haven't lost in seven. Um, it's from a, some of some of the other games that are happening next weekend. I, I think one to watch is Fulham West Ham. Um, this is make or break for Fulham. It's the end. If they, they don't beat teams that are fighting for the Everton Cup, then they're not going to stay up. Yeah, and and I say that because the Everton Cup isn't real. <laughs> I, I was. I, I, I have no idea what to expect from this game. I reckon Fulham could spank West Ham. West Ham could spank Fulham. <laughs> like I've just got absolutely could be no idea. idea. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you'd, you'd say that Newcastle are a banker for Huddersfield, not because of Huddersfield, but because this is one of those games that Benitez goes. It's on the calendar. It's a big it's calendar. Around yeah. This, yeah. this, this yeah. is this is a win before the season starts. Um, Bournemouth Wolves is going to be exciting, I think, because both of those teams play how they play yeah. and I don't think that either of them will have the respect for the their opponent to change that so I think that's going to be all action yeah, I could actually see Bournemouth winning 4-0 it's one of those games yeah you just don't know and Wolves obviously played in the FA Cup whereas Bournemouth had a week off so they've had a massive break um, so yeah Bournemouth need a win they're kind of slowly slipping down the did league you, did you see so, sorry as I, as I scan down the results it's Arsenal right if you remember at the beginning of the year we made a big deal about Gunduzi. <coughs> yeah, the guy and, with the big hair. Yeah, he's like an 18-year-old kid or yeah. whatever, the massive hair. We're mm. like, okay, well, this, you know, he's a, he's a bit special. They signed yeah. him from nowhere for, yeah. for no money and made a bigger thing. I had a rumour this week that he's going to be bought by PSG for £70 million. Pounds. Wow. After one year, not even a year at Was Arsenal. that um, old mate Carl, whatever his name is? Oh, the son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Daily Mail. No, I... I I couldn't believe it. It was. It was the whole story was about how Arsenal were going to fund their brand new backline off the sale of Gunduzi. Wow! I was like, what is going on? They do have no money, so if there's someone's <laughs> going to give them seventy million for a guy who's played one season, I'd yeah, take it. Take it. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we have any side stories before we go on to the exciting end feature? Um, I did have a couple. Or did you want to start with one? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Berahino. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did he score friend, another friend, goal? friend of the shed. No, he got arrested again. No. Drink driving. Yeah. Drink driving again. And the best bit is he like made up some story about um, being robbed and somebody stealing his watch. But essentially, there were some police there, and he drove off, and he was obviously seen driving off and was then stopped. Wow. Which makes it even worse, and then so he felt like he had to concoct this story, but it's not his first offence. He was in some flash car, so it wasn't too hard to find. Can um, you just give me some foundation, right? So where does Berahino play now? Stoke, Stoke, Stoke. Stoke. still, still not scoring goals. He scored four this season in twenty-five-ish games. <laughs> I had a look earlier. You are kidding me. Yeah, he really has gone down the Google. Yeah. So, so he was going to go to Spurs, right? 
Yeah, so the, the, he was going to be the backup for Harry Kane at Spurs, and they were like so close. It was to inches, yeah. yeah. And it, then it was I think basically it, in the car, sitting outside White Hart Lane yeah. with a biro. And I think Stoke pulled out of it because they were like, "No, we want to keep you." And then then he got paid big money. Oh, was that Stoke? Oh no, is it when he's at West Brom? When he's at West yeah. Brom, and he's yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he down tools at West Brom. Yeah, uh, got bought by Stoke and didn't score yeah. in like 37 games and then scored his first goal when they got relegated it's a classic I, I'm really good at this and I should have been playing for Spurs and then has just got too big for his boots and it's just like why am I not playing for Spurs I should be here because he's in England squads and he was meant to be the next big thing but mm. it just all went wrong hasn't put the work in though like no. his fitness has suffered and, and if he's getting caught drink driving it's like we were talking <coughs> earlier you've got to be committed now and if you're not you're going to get found out and he's obviously not um, I had a side story about Claudio Pizarro oh yeah ex uh, Bayern, Bayern Munich, Munich striker but he became the oldest ever scorer in the Bundesliga this week at yeah, 40 years old and 136 days good on wow um, it's his 195th goal and he has now scored in 21 different calendar years in the Bundesliga. That's pretty impressive, isn't That's it? That's amazing. I used to sign him on Football Manager. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. yeah. In like manage, Football Manager 96 or yeah. something. <laughs> um, at the other end of the scale, I felt very sorry for some 17-year-olds this week. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you saw this in Italy as a team oh, called yeah. Pro Piacenza uh, in Serie C, I think, so the third yeah. division of Italian football. Um, they've had some fairly disastrous financial difficulties and for three games in a row they haven't been able to field a team so they've just forfeited their games and if you forfeit four games in a row you're thrown out of the league so they had to field a team but they don't have enough players so they only cobbled together at the last minute seven youth team players turned out for them so seven's the minimum amount you can play with so they had seven the other team obviously had the full complement uh, one of the players that was playing also had to be the manager because they haven't got a manager yeah. at the moment so the 17 year old was captain and manager uh, and they lost 20 nil. and the physio came off the bench just to play because they needed an extra man so the physio yeah. started playing and they were kicked out of the league anyway weren't they after yes. this after yeah. that Got a feel for those kids. I don't know if that's going to be good for their. Well, no. This is the thing. If you don't really make it the big for the big time, everyone will know you. I was going to say, if I was seventeen and lived in that town, I was just like, I'll play, I'll play. Of course, yeah. 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 But it's like those tennis players who played that seventy-two game game. Yeah, whatever it's called. What's it called, Rod? Do you like tennis? A game match. match. So that seventy-two game match. Game. So that was a game. The game. Nic- the seventy-two Nicholas game. Nicholas Mahu yeah. and John Isner. See, what I was going to say <laughs> is that everyone knows who they are because it was a long one. But no, I actually didn't know who they were. Rev <laughs> <laughs> Roch wasn't here. All I knew was, and actually, as far as those kids are concerned, all I know is some team in Italy lost twenty nil. Yes. So as far as their reputation, <laughs> you know, it's gone. It's in tatters. Um, are we ready for end feature? Have you got a uh, song yes. for us? Oh, oh, sorry, a... Nani's gone somewhere, hasn't he? He's gone to Orlando City. That's it. Wow. Yeah, so he's gone from his boyhood love dream club of Sporting Lisbon yes. to Orlando City. Was he playing at Sporting Lisbon? from Orlando? Oh, come on. No, just... yeah. <laughs> was, he, was he getting a game at Lisbon or not? No, not, I don't think so. His career's no, no style. Oh, I suppose. He's 34 now. So. Is he? Yeah. But I, I do think that, it, I mean, he's... Quick, is he? <laughs> well, I don't know if he is anymore. Like, if this was the MLS of eight, nine years ago, he would be great. Yeah. But the MLS has got a lot better. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe. I, know, I think it's a I just signing. always thought he was a bit crap. It was one of those ones. I remember when him and Anderson turned up around the same time. Anderson was a brilliant player. You, you thought Anderson was going to be the best player in the world. He went on still, about I still absolute crap. And <laughs> Nanny was cut from the same cloth. This is when you had bloody identical twins, left back and right back. Yeah, <laughs> they were the silvers. Oh, yeah, the silvers <laughs> and Machado up front and Bebe. Oh. Um, and feature Jeff, have you got a song for us? Yeah, I do. Are you ready? Yeah. Cool. yeah. Oh no, it went down. Oh. Oh, I played the wrong song. Is that the wrong one? That's the wrong oh, one. I can't tell. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so exciting news in the end feature. Last week, Rog won and Jeff won. Oh, it was a great, yeah. great, great victory. First win of 2019. I felt like Russell Crowe in Gladiator. <laughs> I was just like marching around, greased up in my pants, <laughs> just like stabbing my dog with a skewer. Um, and, and you won too, in a way. 
Because well, Man, Man United won. Yeah. So yeah, we all won. But my bet on Spurs to have lots of things happen in one game didn't quite no, work. No, it didn't quite But work. did it keep you interested in the game, John? Because I think I was, was more interested in the game than my bet, actually. I should have okay. just... Yeah, the game was excellent anyway. But you guys both won. So that leaves the current standings. And we're 26 weeks into the season. So there's about 10, 12 left. So still time to catch up. There's not 10 or 12. There's 12. <laughs> 10, 12 ish. 10 or 12. 12. We'll go with 12. Um, Jeff's on $80. Yeah. I'm on $202. And Rog, you're now on $520. Oh my goodness. So we've got a way to catch up. But are we winning? We are $62 up as a team. Yes. Yeah, that's the important there thing. Is. So we are ahead. So what have we got for this week? Okay. So I think Watford are going to beat Cardiff. Okay. No, you're not judging that one. Is that okay? I don't like it. You don't like it? No, just Cardiff's home form's been great. I think Watford are better than Cardiff. That's my logic. Good logic. I think Wolves are going to beat Bournemouth. And that is because I think Wolves are better than (laughs) Bournemouth. (laughs) And that is paying $5.52. $5.52. Nice. Um, I don't think that's a very good bet because Cardiff are good at home. But the logic, John, Bournemouth are good at home. Uh, I Watch. haven't bet on those okay, those uh, results but I have bet on Bournemouth and Wolves but I've just bet goals I see goals in that game over two and a half uh, and I think Leicester are better than Crystal Palace <laughs> Leicester haven't won in six so they're not on a great run but I sort of feel like their performance has been better than their results so we talked they should have beat Spurs we talked mm-hmm. about that and I think this will be the one where they um Turn it around. So that's paying uh, $4.59. Are we all getting a bit conservative with our bets now? We're getting to the pointy end. Everyone wants to be good and win. Oh, I just, you know. Have you gone a bit wild, have you? No. (laughs) Um, I've gone Newcastle to beat Huddersfield because it's a banker. (laughs) It's Rafa Benitez. It's the Rafa Benitez bet. And I've also bet on Man City to beat Liverpool. uh, Not Liverpool. Who are they playing in the cup final? Chelsea. Chelsea. In the cup final. That's paying two ninety eight for those two. So I reckon that might be a go up. Um, has anyone got anything before we leave? No, uh, it's great to. No. Oh yeah, I did that again. Great, this... great to you know. What? What? <laughs> he's about to do the bit where I go. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Again. The outro. Yeah. Oh, John, you better. He's angling okay. for your position. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Nice. Um, as so, always, so good at it though, isn't he? <laughs> smooth voice, smooth <laughs> presenter voice. If you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Like a new fridge. Find us on social media. <laughs> Just search Football Shed Podcast. Um, don't forget to tell your mates, leave us a review, and check out the website, footballshed.com. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. Really good, John. Thanks, bye, mates. <laughs>